0: What up, family? This is a sermon from the downtown congregation of Park Church. May it bless your soul as you dig deeper into God's word. More resources and info are online at parkchurch.org.
1: This morning we will be in Psalm 119, verses nine through 16 and 97. If, I'll give you a moment there to turn there if you have a Bible with you or a Bible app on your phone. Again, that's Psalm 119, 9 through 16. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh how I love your law, it is my meditation all the day. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks, brother. Well, good morning.
0: Oh come on! I was glad when they said unto me, "Let us go into the house of the Lord." How are y'all? Good. Come on! They, I was just talking a little bit, so I know y'all can talk now. You know, but um, <clears throat> no. Um, For those who are in person and those who are watching online, man, it is a joy and honor um, to be with you all today. Um, For those who are new, my name is Miguel, and I have the privilege to serve on staff as one of the pastors here. And so um, today, we're going to continue part two of Psalms 119. Psalms 119 is 176 verses. And so what we decided to do over the last couple of weeks or three weeks is to break them down thematically to try to grab the essence of what this text is saying, by and large. And last week, Pastor Matt uh, preached us happy and talked about God's Word over us, how it's authority. And this week, we'll talk about how it is God's Word in us, meaning how we meditate on it. What does it do to us as we meditate on God's Word? And then next week, we'll talk about what we do with God's Word. Um, But today... We're going to talk about meditation, and so if you would, uh, before we go and dig into the text, if you would, let's just quiet our hearts. Let's take a moment to go to the Father, and remember, God is real. He cares about us. He cares about our problems, and so let's just give them, let's lay them at His feet. Let's hear what He has to say through His Word. So pray for us. I will pray for us as well, and... Let's go before the throne of our Father. God, um, Lord, it's, it's simple today. I'm just asking for you to show up as you always do. Life has a way of Beating us down, and it's a roller coaster. Some days it's good, some days it's bad. But I'm so glad that you were faithful. So glad that you were ever present. And I pray God that as we sit and learn about meditation, that you would just speak. That you would rebuke. That you would encourage. That you would bring life from dead places. I pray, Father, that people would see you differently. Surrender their life to you differently all because knowing that you are good. And what you have to offer, what you have to offer, which is yourself is better than anything that we can ever imagine in this world. So all of our worries, all of our cares, Father, we lay them at your feet. We come and sit to find rest in you. Have me not be seen as an entertainer, but one who stands before you proclaiming your word. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And as one church, we all together said, Amen. 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 Fuel. Fuel. It's material that burns to produce power. Fuel supplies power for things to run, things to go. Small or big, whether it's a A power plant, or whether it is a little small motor. You need fuel for it to go. Fuel, it causes things to burn more intently, it sustains, it inflames. That's what fuel does. So, I have a question that I want to ask you is what is your fuel? What is your fuel? What sustains you? What energizes you? What propels you forward? What ignites in you? What is it? What strengthens you? What gives you the energy to move day by day in situations, whether at home or in the marketplace or in the grocery store? What fuels you? I believe whatever your fuel is, is what you meditate on. What you meditate on is your fuel. Believers and non-believers alike in the room. Whether you say, thus says the Lord, or whether you're on the edge, I don't know if I believe in God. Believers and non-believers, we all meditate. We cannot not meditate. The question is, who or what are you meditating on? That's what the real question is, because whatever you meditate on, it fuels you, for life. It sustains you. It gives you power. It comes out and helps govern your life. And here's the danger when we come to this text that when we do not meditate on God, the danger that we all alike is that we hinder and limit it the experience experiencing transformation through Jesus Christ. And so it's really simple what I want to preach today. It's real simple here. And And it comes down to this here is that what you meditate on, excuse me, when you meditate on God's words and His ways, it brings transformation from the inside out. It produces transformation from the inside out. Meditation is not a foreign concept to us in this world. In fact, meditation, the mindfulness industry, it's actually a billion-dollar industry and projected to be $2 billion by next year. It says nearly 40% of Americans meditate at least once a week. 14%, somewhere between 14 50 percent of our global population meditates once a week. Anywhere between 300 to 500 million people. What am I saying? Meditation is important. But the question is... How you meditate and what you meditate on, excuse me, is what really matters. Here, in a simple form, meditation, it is to contemplate, it is to reflect, it's to ponder on, to think about. And remember, I told you, whether you're a believer in this room or you're watching online, believer or non-believer, we all think about something. We're pondering something, we're reflecting on something, and what we reflect and ponder on and meditate, get this, it drives us. It shapes us in all aspects of our lives. Now, I want to talk about meditation in in, in this form. Meditation in itself, the tool of meditation is not bad in itself. Okay? Walk with me here. We're going to get to the text. We're going to shout in a little bit. Just walk with me. Meditation is not bad in itself. See, because there, there is the thing about when you, it, when you meditate, it is paying attention or this mindfulness. You want to pay attention to your attitude. You want to pay attention to what you feel, to what you feel, what, what stirs you? What, how do you, how are you in that moment? So I'm not saying meditation in itself is bad, okay? Okay. Because it is, it's good to have awareness. It's good to know what makes us tick and when we're angry, when we're frustrated and and, and get this. And then when we experience frustrations or overwhelming time to to calm our hearts down, right? So we won't go off on somebody, right? Y'all done been there before? Somebody done took you there and you just, Jesus, that's all you got to say. Because in about five seconds, they say one more thing. Because that's, so so I'm not saying that's wrong. We want to be attentive to ourselves and we want to be mindful and it's okay to breathe and relax and be like, man, where's this coming from, man? Where's this hurt coming from? Where's this, how do I engage in this? How how do I give this to the Lord? The, the, the thing is, it shouldn't just stop right there though. And And then, and that's good in itself, but what happens is that when we meditate in some of those forms, what happens is that it's just horizontal. It kind of ends there. It's never vertical. It kind of almost ends with you or your peace. And, and hear me now, I want to remind us of a form of meditation of the tool that can be detrimental. Okay? Okay? Because remember, in itself, it's not bad. It's a tool that God has given us. We want to know who we are. We want to engage with our bodies. We give, it tells our bodies, give our bodies a living sacrifice. God tells us to meditate. We'll talk about these things. So it's not bad in itself. But there are ways that people meditate that are detrimental. And hear me now, as believers, when we talk about these things, these things are to equip you so that when you engage into the marketplace, you can know how to engage with other believers that may not believe or non-believers that may not believe what you believe. And so remember, I said it's not bad in itself, but here's where it does get a little tricky, though. I don't say tricky. Here's where it can become dangerous. When you meditate in some of these professional senses where you're meditating to, like, find your peace. See, I understand that one of the things when you think about, like, Zen and and yoga and, and some of these Eastern forms of meditation, hear me now. I understand we talk about yoga, ears perk her up because that's our baby. We like to do that. But hear me now. You need to know what the yoga instructor is doing, what are their aim here. Because understand, everything, everything physical and visible, you've heard me say this before, Dr. Tony Evans says this, it's preceded by everything that is spiritual. So it doesn't just stand alone here. So be mindful that when you engage, you hear me? I'm not saying yoga and itself is bad. I get it. There's instructors that have done his work. There's, there's people that are like Christians and they try to engage with that. But when you look at these forms of meditation, here's where it gets dangerous. It's because they try to say that you are your peace. They try to focus on self. They try to escape the realities and, and, and not deal with what's in front of us. It's trying to promote oneness with the cosmic and you do mantras and you chant and you do these different things. And it's not just, hear me now, I'm not talking about yoga. I'm talking about all forms of meditation that comes from African religion. Those come from Eastern Buddhist religion. All of these forms that sound good, that look good, that dances that we do, the positions that we do. You're like, man, this is amazing, but we got to be careful what we're doing. Who and what are we meditating on? Hear me, I gotta. I would be remiss if I didn't warn you of what these things are. And again, the reason why these things are problematic or, or, or the danger of them is because, again, as I said, you become your peace. It's focusing on your inner self as if you can bring about the change of your reality. It tries to detach you from what really is present. It's trying to escape and in, in, in not really be what is being in front of you. And that's a concern Because it's horizontal and it's trying to get peace from God. Apart from God, we can have no peace, even if you try to do it yourself. And the danger is, is that when we meditate, not just in this form, but when we meditate and contemplate and ponder so much on the things of the world, what happens is that we open ourselves and we subject ourselves to be influenced by satanic attack, by demonic influence. Remember, nothing stands alone. There is a spiritual enemy we have. Okay? And the danger is, is that when we meditate so much more on the things of God versus the things of the world, we subject ourselves to be influenced by demonic attack. Now, hear me now. Let me talk about this. It is subtle. It's not always blazing fire. Okay? Think, for example, take the tool of social media. Social media, the tool in itself, is not inherently bad. However, have you ever found yourself, whether short periods of time or long periods of time, after you've engaged and meditate so much on that, you find yourself discomfort? I mean, d- discontent. Excuse me, discontent, angry, kind of jealous, depressed, start to question God. Why? Because you start to compare the game and you see what you see in a snapshot, or with any other thing that happens with social media in itself. And what happens is that you absorb it and you're pondering on it and you're meditating and you're seeing like, man, I want what they want. And you compare your family to their family, your job to your, their job, your career, their trajectory, and it keeps going. And next thing you know, as the week goes on, you find yourself just restless. Why? Because, and hear me, I just use social media as a tool now because that's something we all can relate to. Even my mom was on social media. I said, What is this? this is of not of God? How does she get on this? This is this is for my people, younger generation. No, but I say that because we can relate to it. But take anything that we meditate and we ponder on so much so, to where it fuels us, to where it shapes us. Think about it. And the enemy wants that so bad because for the non-believers, the enemy wants to do well, here's what the, here's what he wants to do. He wants to do everything he can so that you don't submit your life to the Lord, so that you will not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because when you are not part of God's family, you're part of Satan's family because he's your father. You don't just get to be in the middle. Okay? Now, and so for a non-believer, he wants to not, he doesn't want you to be adopted into to the kingdom of God. He wants to do everything he can to hinder it. For the believer, he's look, he knows he can't snatch you out of his hands. Because the Bible tells us that. Because we are guaranteed through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given as a pledge promise in our faith and seal once you put your hope and faith in Jesus Christ. However, when we live here on earth, the enemy, how can he do- He wants to do everything he can to create distance between you and the Lord. He wants to cause the separation as much as he can. And why is this so important? Because get this, you cannot serve two masters. You can't meditate on two things equally. One is going to occupy your mind. Are you, occup- are you meditating more on the things of God or are you meditating on the things of the world? One will dominate. And when you meditate on the thing, get this, what you meditate on, you see it through the lens. You, you're, you're, see, you're engaging life through those lenses. He's smooth with it. Think about it. Adam and Eve, they had everything that they needed. Sin wasn't even... See, get this, they, everything was good and they engaged for however long that conversation was. We don't know. But what happened was because they engaged and they were pondering so much more on the enemy words, they therefore decided to be disobedient. They had everything under the sun. God said, just this right here you can't have, but everything else is yours. And in that moment, they start to question God. They start to have doubts. And they say, well, yeah, he is holding out on us. Yeah, we want to be like God. All in that moment, he's subtle with it. He's smooth with it. Yo, yo, how you doing? Eve, Adam, what's up? Let me talk to Eve real quick. Yeah, did God really say? I'm just saying. He's subtle. It's not and get this, he did the same thing with Jesus, but Jesus models for how we can engage in this and how we can act. Because Jesus was tired, he was tempted, he's coming out 40 days of fasting, and he encounters. Satan, just like that, and Satan tries to give him all the things. I'll give you the world. I'll give you here. Bow down to me. And Satan, and Jesus, every time he engages, he says, hey, it is written. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Why is that? When you look at Jesus' life, from that moment even on, he's modeling for us how we ought to engage, how we ought to meditate as we live life. Okay? Now, biblical meditation, you know, In itself is really in its simplest form. It's fulfilling. It's being filled with God's words and His ways. And there's two words. There's two Hebrew words that actually uh, uh, defines or break down what meditation is. You have this Hebrew word. Bear with me. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I think it's called like psych, 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 s i a c h. Don't laugh. You don't know Hebrew neither, just like me. It's all right. It's all right. Listen. But here's, here's what I'm saying. That word really means it is like a muse. It is to ponder. It's to be occupied with. It is to be, you're concerned about considerably. You're occupied with, you're concerned about considerably. And then you have this other word. I know how to pronounce this. Haga. There you go. Come on. Haga, which is like a, a mooing, a growling. It's like an uttering of sounds. It's like that of a lion, that growls, and hear me, not a lion that growls, that's trying to get its prey, that's trying to go hunt, but it is, it is the, the growling of when the lion gets its prey and is eating, it is one of satisfaction. It's like, he growling. and it's like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And y'all been there, whether it's your wives, your mama, your daddies. Your spouse, your good friend, a restaurant, you go take the dip of the, you get the food and you eat it and you're like, oh my goodness, Mm." Lord today, this is so good, blessed. Because you're growling, it's a satisfaction. And that's what meditating, when we meditate on the things of God and the way of God's words is that it is satisfying. Oh, it is good. We contemplate on it here. And so hear me, to kind of wrap this up, what we're saying is that meditation, from a biblical perspective, involves pondering, being occupied, concerned about considerably of God's words and deep reflections on His truths. Get this, why? Because it is the chief concern and source of life. Donald Donald Whitney... In his book *Spiritual Disciplines*, talks about Christian meditation. He says it this in his way: meditation is deep thinking on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in Scripture, for the purpose of understanding, application, and prayer. Here's what I want to draw to your understanding when we talk about world versus world, this worldly meditation mindfulness versus how God calls us to be mindful. When you think about the world's aspect of meditation in itself, regardless of what form it does, it does not produce a peace at the end of it. It's like candy. Candy can give you satisfaction for a moment, but it's not good for a long term. It's not even good in the moment sometimes, it's not real good nutrients. And really, when you think about it, it's like this emptying of self, and you escape your reality and you find your peace. And, and hear me, remember what I said it's okay to be self aware, it's okay to understand what caused you to tick. Because the Bible tells us that we ought to pray without ceasing. The Bible tells us that if we are weary and need, uh, and need help, we to bring it, and He can find rest in Him. So He's telling us to take our problems with us. So if you don't know what you're feeling, you don't know what you're experiencing, then, then you can't take, to, take it to Him here. Do you see what I'm saying? But here's what happens is that this is emptying and this doesn't really fulfill. And the object of your meditation really is not life-producing. It's not life transformation. But when it comes to God's Word and God who He is, that is fulfilling. It's the object of your meditation. That's why I say, who or what do you meditate on? Hear me now, because look, meditation in Scripture, it points to the object of God. In Psalms 19 alone, there's other places, but in Psalms 119 alone, here's what you see. You see the word meditate that's connected to God. In verse 13, you meditate on his rules. Verse 15, you meditate on his ways. Verse 12, you meditate on his statues. Verse 27, you meditate on his wonderful works. 48, it's his statues. Verse uh, 78. It's his precepts. Verse 97, it is his law. 99, it is his testimonies. 148, it is his promises. We see that and also we meditate on his, on, his, um, on his promises, as it says. We meditate on his unfailing love, as Psalms uh, 48, verse 9 talks about. You see here, meditating on God is is meditation is on the object of it is, the one that can sustain you, the one that can give you a perfect peace in trouble, the one that can propel you, the one that can make a way out of no way, the one that is able to produce life and transformation like no other because he himself is life, okay? Romans, hear me out. Here, look Look at this real quick. Here's why this is important. Romans chapter 8, in this section, it talks about being uh, the, life, the life in the Spirit. But in Romans chapter 8, and particularly starting at verse 5, here's what this says in verse 6. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Here, verse 6. For the mind, excuse me, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit, get this, is life. Okay? and peace. Don't forget that. Then it goes on and says, you set your mind on the flesh, it is hostile towards God, for it does not submit to God. Here it is, it does not submit to God's law. So remember last week we talked about submitting. Pastor Matt talked about submitting the authority of God, how we ought to submit our life to it. But if you're meditating on the things of the world, so much so, it's going to be hostile toward God. Here, let me flush this out when it says the, med- the mind of the flesh. What are we talking about? It is to think About and constantly desire the things of the world. What does that mean? It is to think of the ways of the world in which it's, which ultimately the world in its unbelieving ways. That means you think what is important, you pursue what is what you pursue, and 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 I do what to do. I go find my peace, all discarding the will of God. And we live in a time in a world where we says you can't tell me my truth. We live in a time where it says your truth is your truth. Newsflash, if your truth ain't God, then it's off. If it's not his word, it's off. If it's not his ways, it's off. Okay? So, what is your fuel? What do you meditate on? Because here's the thing. Meditation is cultivation. Meditation is cultivation. Meditation is worship in which is cultivated. And it's cultivated by what is on the thrones of your heart. What is on the thrones of your heart will come out. Because the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And hear me now, what we meditate on has so much implications because it dictates our behavior. Are you consistent where you go? Here's what I mean. There shouldn't be a difference between you at home versus you in the marketplace. It shouldn't, be a, it shouldn't be a difference whether you're out in public or behind closed doors. Hear me, how do people experience you on a consistent basis? Now, I'm not saying we all got off days, right? We're frustrated, it's hard, I'm not minimizing that. But consistently, what, what, what is produced, what comes out that fuels you? Hear me, let me ask, let me, what is it that cultivates in you? Is it peace? Is it joy? Is it kindness? Is it self control? Is it forgiveness? Is it grace? Is it mercy? Or is it jealousy, anger, division, pride? What we meditate on hear me and ponder about shapes us so much deeply what are you meditating on are you meditating on just to try to prove your way and hear me we live in a time and it breaks my heart that we allow politics we allow certain rules regulations to dictate and trump if this is gospel and it's heartbreaking because we view people less than because they decide to be careful or they think a certain way what happened when the scripture says hey Engage your brother as a weaker brother with love, with grace. Because hear me, in those moments of frustration, when disagreement happens, because it will happen, or when life happens, what is in you is going to come out. So what you meditate on your downtime, on when you're, when you're, when you're relaxing, when you're apologizing. Here, it ha- it's so important we think it's not a big deal. But what we passively meditate on, what we actively meditate on, it shapes us deeply. And it's how do you engage life through those lenses here so that when you are on your job, how can I do my work unto the Lord, as the Bible tells me. When you're engaged with someone that's difficult, the Bible says, how do I let my conversation be seasoned with salt and full of grace? And when you have someone have sinned against you and hurt you, okay, God, you said forgive, but I don't really want to forgive because I'm frustrated right now. But then I remember how you constantly forgave me yesterday. Actually, an hour before, just what happened. So I'm 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 gonna try. To, I'm gonna forgive him because you said, "Hear me." It doesn't take away the circumstances. You understand what I'm saying? We think that we because we we conjure up these this this part of life and we think happy thoughts about who God is and and, and now there won't be any trouble. No, nah, that ain't how God operates. Why? Because God tells us to meditate on Him deeply. Philippians four eight through seven. It tells us to dwell on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. And then it says to think about these things. And then in verse 9, it says to practice these things. Romans chapter 12, tells us in verse 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that we will know what is pleasing to the Lord. Proverbs 22 tells us to act and pay attention to the wisdom and apply them to our hearts. Understand here, what we're going to look at now is what is God's Word doing to us when we meditate on it? And then we're going to transition to talk about what do we do with God's Word? What is God's Word doing to us? And then what are we going to do? What are we doing with God's Word? Because it's doing something to us, right? Now, remember, peace apart, you cannot have peace apart from God. You can't have transforming life apart from God. Remember, that it's an, it, that's why we want to to, to have God's word in us. But here's a few things. Jesus tells us, here's what God's word is doing. Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, when he's talked to the disciples in verse 27, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Get this, not as, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because he's given peace. Let, not, let it not be afraid, because he's given us a peace. He says in Isaiah 26, verse 3, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Psalms 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give away. Matthew 11, come, all those who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest Strength to, the, to endure in patience. It says in Colossians 1:11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and peace. God's word, when it's in us, it is renewing us. It is being transformation. It's producing the peace, the comfort, the rest, the endurance, the joy, the freedom from sin. The freedom from being under the bondage of sin. But oftentimes we desert and we leave so quickly when God is working in us. We don't want to dwell with him. And, we, and even if we do, we don't give him all of our heart as we will see. We, it's like a house. We open up the door, but we say, God, you stay in the living room. You can't come in these closets. Come on, you know how it is when people come over, you just throw stuff in the closet because you don't want them to see the dirtiness of it. We do that sometimes. Hear me, it's like, a, you know one thing that's fascinating about a, a Chinese bamboo tree? Here's what's fascinating about it. What's fascinating about a Chinese bamboo tree is that it can take four to five years, sometimes longer, before it sprouts to the ground, which is fascinating. So that means that when you plant it, it doesn't just automatically do it. What it's doing is that the roots are getting deep, and it's growing, and it's getting nourishments underneath there. And then at the right time, it cracks through the ground, and then it grows instrumentally. Heights that are like no other every several, you know, feet upon feet every couple weeks. And what happens is oftentimes God's Word is working in us. Oftentimes we microwave his word and we want to see results right there, but it's in us. When you dwell, when it's residing in you, when it's marinating, get this, it's going to produce something that comes out. That's why it's important to meditate on his word. So what are you doing with God's word? What are you doing with God's word? Again, Pastor Matt talks about how we ought to keep God's word, how we ought to submit under the authority. And that is, that is woven throughout out here. But when you look at verse 9 of, uh, of Psalms 119, here's what it says. Verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? This is what we're doing with the word now. By guarding it according to your ways. Then look at verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Why is this important? We ought to guard God's word in our heart. We ought to store it up and keep it like treasure, as the NASB says. It's like treasure here. And what we do know, and what Matthew 6, 11, Matthew chapter 6, 21 says that, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay? And so you keep God's word so that it can, so that you can live holy and pure in a way that you could not apart from it. It's, it's treasure because it's valuable. Because you don't want to lose it. Because it is the fuel, it is the source that you need to sustain, to move forward. Understand, living holy, living pure, so that you might not sin against him. Because we're sinful beings. We're going to want what we want, when we want, the way we want it, and how we want it. But we see here that we are to guard it according to our heart. In verse 11, we are to store it up in our heart. Why? So that we won't sin against God and pursue the sins and the things of the world that are not pleasing to the Father. We see in verse 10, where it says, for verse 10, it says, with my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wonder from your commandments. There must be an acquiring of God with our whole hearts. Whatever is on the throne of your heart, you will relentlessly pursue. He says, the psalmist says, with my whole heart. I seek you. We can't just sprinkle in a little bit of this and think God's going to work. We have to dwell. We have to be with him. We have to ponder, consider his ways. Because get this, you will be tried in life in how we think of his ways. And when it's in our heart, help me, Holy Spirit. Man, There's ways that you respond that you know, had it not been for the Lord, oh, I would have responded so differently. And even when you do respond in such a way, you respond in a way that's God-honoring, but deep down inside you're like, "Mm, I want to respond so differently. But my God tells me, I must forgive, I must love, I must be patient here. Look at verse 13. It says, with my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth it says, "With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth." And in Psalms 46, it says, "I will also speak of your testimony before kings and shall not be put to shame." What does that mean? That means that when we have God's word in us, when we meditate, ponder on, it, consider it, meditate considerably on it, and view the world. Through the lens of the gospel, through his kingdom agenda, therefore what's on my lips will give me the boldness and the courage to be able to stand and say things boldly when they're not popular. To be able to get this in a God-honoring way, not to be divisive and, 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 and twist and manipulate God's word. No, but it's like Daniel, when he didn't want to bow down and worship those other guys; they threw him in a lion den, right? But it's willing to say the things of God that are true and loving and get this and allow God to work and not be afraid of the consequences that come. Many of us, myself included, we are so tempted to renege on God's word because we might not get a promotion. Oh, well, I might get excluded from this social social group if I say this. Knowing all the while what's stirring in you, you're like, man, that's really not God's word. Hmm. What we see in verse 15, it says, we fix. It says, I will meditate on your precepts, and I fix my eyes on your ways. Meditating on your precepts, and I fix my eyes on your ways. It reminds me of Colossians 3 where it says, set your minds on things above. What you meditate on, what your eyes are fixed on, It's connection to your meditation. And get this. When you look at it, it says in verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. When we're meditating on it, when we have it fixed our eyes on it, it, we won't forget it because it is occupying us considerably. Because we know there's a source in his word. This is life. It gives me the ways how to live and how to move and then get this. And when I forget, I can go back. And then when I don't know where to go in the word, or if I don't have the word with me, I got my brothers and sisters in the faith that can remind me of the word. Because in 97 it says I meditate on it all day. Here's what's so beautiful about this: is that even if you don't have the word with us, even if you don't have the word handy, which we all got it on our phones, we got the Bible app. But even if you can't use it or you forget it. He says, I meditated on all day. What that means is that no matter where you go, God's Word can be with you. It's not bound by change. It's not limited to this building. That means that when you go into the doctor's office, God's Word is with you there. Oh, He's ever-present. That means that when you go into the marketplace, He's with you. Because now you can recall and you can remember and get this, even when we don't know what to say or when we, when we, when we forget it, it, you're like, God, I don't know, there's something you'll say, the words that talk about, you keep me in perfect peace. I just need you to keep me in peace right now. And then it keeps going, and it, you can call on it. And here's what's so important about this. We have to stop thinking that God's word is only limited to Sunday, that it's only limited to this hour that we get together. It's not. So when he says I can meditate it on all the days, what are you meditating on? What are you viewing your life through the lens of? Is it through the world or is it through the gospel? Because what fuels you, what you meditate on will come out. I remember there was a time when I was sitting at home in front of some dirty dishes and I was going through a rough time. And by God's grace, I'm just sitting over here. My mind is turning. I'm trying to equal one plus one, and, you know, trying to get it to be two. And I'm trying to figure this thing out. I'm trying to play chess. I'm trying to make this move. But I remember in that moment, by God's grace, the Holy Spirit dropped something in my spirit because I was reading and I was listening to this other podcast. And then next thing you know, I'll go on this rabbit trail and i remember God's word in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And it says, the Lord is at hand. It was those simple words, those simple words in that moment that gave me a peace like no other. I remember being there and just meditating on it and chewing on it and tears coming down my eyes because I said, the Lord is at hand. He's here. Give it to him, Miguel. Give it to him. And you know what happened when I woke up or when I got done praying? Them dirty dishes was right there waiting for me. What am I saying? Sometimes the situation may not change immediately. It may not It may not change, it may be months, it may be years, but hear me now. Oh, I can have peace because my peace is in him versus my circumstances. Oh, I can have strength because my strength is in him, not in whatever I run to. See, oh, I can endure because my endurance comes from him. Where does my help? My help comes from the Lord, not from the world, family. Why? Because the world will desert you in a heartbeat. Many of us got stories where we can talk about that. So what I'm saying is that when we meditate on him, he can go with us all the days of our lives. Then we can have peace. And again, you have hear me say again, but people say, how do you move forward in life? But God, but God, oh my gosh, God's word is so good. We must meditate on the life giver. We must meditate on the life giver. Jesus is the life giver. What we know throughout the Psalms is that as it's overstretched over 11 times, you will see the word, it gives life. Meaning his word gives life. According to your word, it gives life. Your steadfast love gives life. Your precepts give life. According to your justice ways, it gives life. According to your promise, it gives life. What are we saying? Jesus is the life giver. The word became flesh, hear me now, and dwelt among us, my Lord. And many of us, it doesn't now good just to sit here and just have the knowledge of God. And we live in a time where we want to pontificate and just know the truths of God, but we don't want to dwell with him. Because Jesus tells in his disciple, or when he's talking to the Jews in John chapter 5, he says in, in, in synopsis ways, he goes, You don't have his word abiding in you. It must be head and heart, not just all head here. It must be head and heart. We must be willing to dwell with him. We must be willing to abide by him. We must be willing to submit to him because when we do, when we meditate on it, it will produce the life transformation that we need, which leads to Christ's likeness here. Because Jesus said, I come to give life and give it abundantly. Well, how was he able to give it abundantly? Because he went to the cross and got and, and did what you and I couldn't do. And get this, would not even consider on doing. To go and to give his life for ours. I'm going to give you my grace and righteousness, yet I'll take on your sins. And because of what Jesus did on Calvary, my Lord, so that when it gets hard, when things are good in all times, you can approach the throne of grace boldly, as Hebrews 4 says. Because of what Jesus has done and when you approach your throne of grace boldly, it tells us, and it goes on and says, so that you can have what you need in the time of need. Why? It is because of God's word. It is because of who he is, that when we meditate on it, because that we can have life. It gives us life in dead places. It gives us strength to move on. Again, apart from ourselves, we cannot do nothing. You following with me? Hear me now. Jesus is a life giver and, transform, and he will transform every area of our life. The question is, are you submitting him? Are you giving all of your heart to him? Are you allowing him, oh, this is so good, to be the, the, the cleaner that can come in your life and deep clean in the crevices that you don't even want to deal with? Because you think it ain't a big deal, but he comes in and he gets into the nooks and the crannies of your life that nobody else is seeing. And he's cleaning this out and and it don't feel good because you're like, dang, you all up in my business. But he says, I'm trying to give you life. I'm trying to point you to something greater, which is myself. In my ways. What God calls us to do is hard, but he, he gives us a spirit to be able to do it through the Holy Spirit. Let me end you with this. Here's some things to to meditate on. Here's how you can do meditation. These are just some ways. Emphasize a different word. Emphasize a different word. Think about, for God so loved the world. Emphasize so, or emphasize love. Rewrite the verse in your own words. Rewrite it. Summarize the truth. Summarize it so that you can be able to, the truths in his teachings, its timeless theological principles. Pray through a verse. As you read through it, you say, God, listen, I'm young, and I want to keep my ways pure, so help me guard it, God, according to your word. Lord, my heart, doesn't want to seek you wholly. So God, help me with my whole heart seek you. Help me store up your word, God. There's treasures in my heart so I won't sin against you. You pray through it. And then you look for ways to apply it. Look to ways to apply God's word. God's word is living. It's active. It brings life from dead places. Let us be people that are marked by meditating on God's word. So much so that when people encounter us, they say, man, y'all just different over there. Why? Man, because I know a man named Jesus. Why are you so patient with me? (laughs) I know a man named Jesus has been patient with me. And it goes on and on. So Park family, let us be people that meditate on his word, on his goodness, on his ways, so that they can produce the transformation from the inside out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that your ways are good, that your ways are true, that your ways do not falter. God, I pray that we will be people marked by meditating on you, so give us the strength, igniting us the fire to meditate on your words, to contemplate and to consider as a source of life and transformation. Help us see life through the gospel so that the overflow of our hearts will be spoken from our mouth, glorifying you in the way that we speak, the way that we act, the way that we think, the way that we move. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Park Church exists to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and for the joy of all people. If you enjoyed this, make sure you share it with someone. We'd also love to hear from you on social media. Find us with at Park Church Denver. Lastly, more resources and info are available online at parkchurch.org. Peace and love.